As a church, we've done a lot of creative things to really highlight the family, bring attention to the family. That's why I'm excited about this series that we're doing now um, with our Intentional Family Series. Um, families and godly families are not, they don't happen accidentally. Um, they happen with great intentionality. Um, and uh, a few months back during Father's Day, uh, our creative team put together a video. Uh, something that's been on my heart for a little while that I want to get out in the air and address this morning. Um, they put together a nice video. It was, it, it was funny. It was a great video. But we, we have to remember how they, how they got the content of this video. So they, they, they pulled together a bunch of children, a bunch of kids of, of people in our church, unbeknownst to some of these parents, by the way. <laughs> I was not aware of this. One of those children was my son, Roman. And I want to I wanna play a video for you this morning, and I want you to just look at this interrogation, I mean this interview that, that they had of, of my son, and I want to give some comment to this. Go ahead and play this video. Is there something that your dad cannot do? He can't find something. He can't find things? What are some things that he can't find? He can't find his tire pump. His tire pump? Who, does somebody have, do you help him find the things that he, he can't yeah. find? Yes. Okay. Okay, that's good. That's good. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Bell Show's family, behold the tire pump. I can find the tire pump in your face, Patrick Clark. In your face, Jonathan Willis. In your face, creative team. Exposing all the weaknesses of fathers across the campus. No, no, so, no, no, hey, I'm, I'm really excited about um, the series and um, just the opportunity that we have to really talk about the privilege of parenting. The neat thing about parenting is this, in some ways, our parenting is very individualized, very specific, very personal, very different from house to house, from home to home, from parent to parent. But in some ways, the experiences are very much the same, very much the same. You know, so I remember before I was married, before I had kids, I'd hear a number of parents talk about all of their different experiences that they had. And lo and behold, it would be a story about a diaper, some explosion of a diaper. And I remember hearing all kinds of advice before I even had kids about how to change a diaper, what you want to do. And you know, they would say, you know, make sure when you're changing a diaper that you put a clean one underneath it before you remove the dirty one. Now I'm thinking, what can really happen? What can really happen in the seconds from taking a dirty diaper, moving it, grabbing a clean one, and putting it on your what, what could really happen? A lot can happen, guys. A lot can happen. I remember bringing Riley home, our firstborn, to our house, and I was changing her diaper, and I did not follow that advice. And... Uh, Let's just say that if you, if you don't have a clean diaper there, 
and they're not finished, something has to catch what's coming out. And all I had that day was my hand. <laughs> now, I know I'm not the only one in the room. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not the only one in the room. There's another parent in here, or, or a lot of parents in here that can be like, oh, I've got a story for you. And if you don't have kids, guess what? You're not in the fraternity yet. You're not in the fraternity yet. I'm grateful to be in the fraternity. So all of us have our little diaper stories. And then you hear the stories of parents talking about, you just wait till they call you in the middle of the night. And you go run into the room in the dark and you step on that Lego. You hear that laughter? Because we know. We know. And it doesn't matter how, how well you cleaned up everything. You might be thinking, oh, no, that wouldn't happen. I'm going to clean it very well. Guys, listen, listen, let me, let me help you out. That there is an attraction between the bottom of your foot and Legos. It's just there. There can be, there could be so much room on the floor to navigate. It doesn't matter. Your foot will find the Lego. It will find it, and it will find the most tender spot of your foot, and it will bring you to your knees. It will bring you to your knees. All of us have run into a room, stepped on some toy, some Lego, and it's about near crippled you. So diaper stories, Lego stories. Then there's the stories of, you know what, you're going to find yourself um, saying things that you thought you'd never say. Saying things you thought you'd never say. And then, you know, the parents would go around, they would say all these things that they would, you know, that they found themselves saying. But it is amazing, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that you can find the things that you find rolling off your tongue like they're normal things to say? Like they're regular things to say, and they just come out as natural as all get out because you have children. Uh, we were at a restaurant one day, and it was a barbecue spot a couple years ago. It was a little while back. The kids had their kid menu, and they're coloring, and had their crayons out, and and this, this restaurant would bring, bring uh, pork skins for you to have, you know, kind of snack on before you make your order, a little appetizer action. And uh, I remember saying this, Roman, stop coloring the pork skins. <laughs> now listen, I believe that I am the only person in the history of the world that has uttered that phrase. If you have said a similar phrase, I want to meet you after church. I want to meet you. I need to meet you. We need to meet, okay? If you're watching online, please text Porkskins to 77411. I need to know. I need to know that there's another human being that had, who had to utter that comment. But that's the thing about the privileges that come along with parenting. And you may think that, you know, those are hardly privileges, Bruce. Those are, and you may not see those necessarily as privileges. But one privilege that a parent has that is non-negotiable, that is God-given, that is a fact, is that we are, as parents, the primary disciples of our kids. We are the primary faith influencers of our kids. So what I want you to understand this morning is that parenting is a God-given privilege and the primary means that God uses to pass down the faith to the next generation. That happens in the home. And you know who gets to play ball with that. You know who gets the opportunity to be part of that process. 
us, mom, us, dad. We parents get to be part of the instruments that God uses to pass on the faith. I want you to think about a couple of things just to frame our, our view of kids before we jump off into our text this morning. Uh, I usually cover some of this stuff during our family dedication um, class that will be coming up. But I think it's important, and how we see our kids will dictate and determine so much of how we parent our children. Number one is this. See your children as the gift they are from God. Our kids are a gift. We talked about this weeks ago. They're not obstacles. They're not accidents. They are gifts. And we don't deserve the headaches that we get from them. We don't deserve it. But God has, in his infinite wisdom, seen fit to place small ones, little kids in our homes. They're gifts. And when you see your children as a gift from God, it will completely change how you parent. Two, see them first as image bearers of God. That they're made in the image of God. And that's important because a lot of times we, we like the idea that, you know what, that, hey, our kids look like, like us. And that's an important, that's a, that's a neat part of parenting. That's a great part of like a byproduct of parenting that our kids resemble us physically. But I think it's important that we see that, that the physical resemblance is not the most important thing that we pass on to our kids. The most important thing that you'll pass to your kids is not your physical likeness, but it'll be the likeness to Christ. That's why even though our families may look different, our families maybe have been formed differently, maybe we, by adoption, maybe our, our families have been um, blended in some way, and there are people in your home that don't look like you, that the goal, the goal is not that they look like you, ultimately, the goal is that they would look like Jesus, that they would look like Christ, So parenting has to be grounded. The most important thing that you're going to pass down in your home is something that's going to last well past what your kid looks like physically. It'll be who they emulate spiritually, the character formation uh, that happens in their life. They're a gift from God, and they're created first in God's image. This is discipleship. And that's exactly what parenting is. Parenting is discipleship. It's the shaping of a a human being into the image of God, that they might be conformed to the likeness of Christ. That is the goal, that they would look like the God that created them. And this is a daunting task for any parent because what God is saying is this, all right? He's saying that You, I want you to take this little image bearer. I want you to take this image bearer and I want you to shape their life. Shape their life by my word, by my grace, 
for my glory. Shape this life. That's what, as a parent, you get to do. That is your privilege. And there's no way it is impossible to think that we can accomplish the task of making or helping shape our, our children in a way that they look like Christ, that, that, they would, that they would worship God apart from God, that we could do this in our flesh, that somehow the world could help us in this task. The world doesn't help us in this task. That's why we have to rely on God's word as he gives us revelation, as he gives us the instructions, because he is the one who invented the family. It's his creation. The model of it is his creation. A mom and a dad, a father. How essential a father is in a home. A dying role in the home. The necessity of it. And so much of how a kid, how a daughter, how a son will will see their heavenly father is how they see their earthly father. It's essential. And in order for this to happen and discipleship to happen, there has to be proximity. There has to be closeness. There has to be nearness. That's why the home, God's idea, parents who spend the most time with their kids would be this agent that passes down the faith from one generation to the other. It's no surprise that that would happen. That's how discipleship happens. And isn't this what Jesus did? In Mark, when Jesus was here, Mark tells us in chapter 3, verse 14, that he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might, what, be with him, so that he might send them out to preach. And isn't that what we're doing, parents? We're with our kids for a time. They walk with us and we walk with them for a time to be sent out. To be sent out. So even though parents are primary, it does not mean that they're the only influence. They're a primary, but you're not the only influence. All right, so another, another important influence in the life of a family is the church. Now, the church isn't supposed to replace the parents, even though this is something that has happened over the decades. Is that the role, the primary faith influencer, it has, it has been shifted. It's been turned on its head. So much that it's the... It's the church's fault. I'm not saying Bell shows. I'm saying the church as a whole. It's the church's fault because what we did is that we told parents that, hey, we have the degrees. We have the experience. We're the professionals. Hand your kids off to us, and we will disciple your kids. So we formed the programs. We kept you busy. We bring you in, and all you have to do is what you do with a lot of things, drop them off. If you want your kid to, to learn piano or some musical instrument, what do you do? You drop them off and they get their lessons. You want them to play a sport, what do you do? You take them to the ball and you drop them off and a coach takes care of that. And you know what? That's okay. You will not be held, to any, you will not be held accountable to how well you can coach a sport. You will not be held accountable 
to, you know, to how well you can teach a, a musical instrument. Those, those roles can be, can be passed on to someone else. The role that cannot be passed on to anyone else, it cannot be duplicated by anyone else, is a role as a primary faith influencer and disciple of your kid. And we'll give an account for that because it's ours. The church can't take it, and it's not to be advocated by the parents. So the church comes along, and that's our heart, and that's our goal. And you can see as we're building out these things, even those, those resources online when it comes to technology. As, as the months and the weeks and the years go on, we're, we're going to focus and we're going to put our attention on equipping parents to be the primary disciples of the kids. Equipping, equipping. Because I, I, I want the parents to have the win. We as a church, we want parents to have the win when it comes to the spiritual shaping of, the, of your kids. So when they're asking questions, it's not that, well, let's, let's take you to the expert and they can take it. No, we'll take care of it. No, we want to, obviously, you can bring your kids to us and we'll, we'll answer questions. We'll help. We want to walk alongside you in that way. But the both end of that is that now we want to equip you to have those conversations because those questions are coming up when you're tucking them in at night, when you're in the car, so that, so that those questions can be dealt with in real time, real time, and that you feel comfortable, equipped to do that. I think about it as a surround sound, like a home theater. All right, so you have a lot of speakers in a surround sound system, and it gives a full-orbed kind of sound and experience. When it comes to discipleship, though, the, the, the most important speaker, the most important speaker in a home theater system is the center speaker. It's the most important because it controls the dialogue. Everything else accents that. Everything else complements that. Everything else echoes that. But the center channel is the main channel, and it controls the dialogue. Mom, dad, parents, we're the center channel. We are the center channel. We control the dialogue, and most of the dialogue happens in our home with, with our kids. And the home is where that takes place. And our text this morning is Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going we're gonna to camp on verses 4 through 9. But Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, it's been, it's been said that it, it's the blueprint for discipleship in the home. And as you can see, we're not, we're not running to the New Testament necessarily right here, but this, is, this, is, this blueprint is very old. It's very old. And in Deuteronomy, we find that as Moses is preparing um, this, this second wave of, of this generation to enter the promised land, this generation that, that was um, waiting to enter the promised land, their parents not getting to see it, and Moses is giving the second giving of the law. He's reiterating all of these things. And in the midst of reiterating all of this, he, he gives the blueprint of the home again. He gives the blueprint of the home and he frames it in what Jesus would say later on is the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment. So we start in, in Deuteronomy 6, 
chapter, uh, verse 4, let me, let's read it. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now I'm just going to stop there and pause because this is foundational. This is what makes parenting, Christian parenting, biblical parenting distinct is that this God, the Lord our God, Yahweh, the personal name of God, the covenant-making God, the promise-making, the promise-keeping God, the God who had a very distinct relationship with his people, is speaking and giving this command and giving these words to his people. And he says, the Lord our God is one. And once you see that the parenting is grounded in a proper view of God. It is grounded in a proper view of God. All right, so when God, through Moses, says, hear, what he means and what he is saying is obey. To hear, in Judaism, to hear is to obey. To hear is to do. That's why all throughout, as, as in Deuteronomy and other parts of, of Scripture, it's, it's so he's giving these commands so that you will be faithful to do it, so that it will go well for you in the land. He's laying all of these things out for our good, for our benefit. We're not in the dark in how this, how this all plays out. He's given us the instructions on how this plays out. And the first thing he has to give us and the first thing he has to set forth for us is a foundational thing is this is who I am. It points to his distinctiveness. It points to the fact of his supremacy as the one true God. That was true then and it's true now that our kids must see is that when we go to church, when you open your Bible at home, when we read from this book, we are talking about a very distinct God. He is not a generic God. He is not one of many gods. He's the one true God. On, on Wednesday nights, we've been, we've been um, exploring this with, with our kids. We've been talking about the attributes of God. And the first, the first night out of the gates, what we try to communicate is this, is that God is real, that he is knowable, and that he is personal. Real, knowable, and personal. That is the distinctiveness of the God of the Bible. It's a crucial truth then, it's a crucial truth today. Israel found themselves combating idolatry, you know, even in previous verses, before then you see the Ten Commandments reiterated again where he talks about that you should, you should have no other gods before me. He talks about building images. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully since you saw no form on that day and that you don't carve images out for yourselves. Like Israel was, they were always fighting idolatry. They were always fighting this temptation to give their worship to another. And what happened is because their desires were weak. And they would give their worship to another God. And they would forget about this personal God who spoke to them, who did miraculous things. And that's why God would have to come back and back. And what made the covenant work so much is that God is faithful to his covenant. That's what made the covenant work. And he's telling them, hey, be, hey, remember me. Remember, I'm the one who freed you and took you out of Egypt. I'm the God 
I'm the God who's always been with you. I'm the God who's always walked with you. I'm the God that walked with your dad and your granddad. And I walk with you. This, this is the God that is the reference point that is foundational to our homes and to this church, to our churches. This is the God. And what can happen very easily is that we come to church on Sundays, we hold convictions based on truth, but the outworking of that in our homes, the outworking of that in our lives, the outworking of that in our parenting practices, it can, it can become kind of a practical atheism. Is that our, all of our manner in, in, in parenting our kids and what we're trying to pass down and instill is really kind of co-opted from the world. In the name of opportunity and better opportunities, but when you think about it, those opportunities are really based on them, are very short-sighted and short-term. It's based on the here and now. Israel had their gods and we have ours. Israel has, had their idolatry issues and we have ours. So I wanna encourage you to watch out for the God of academics, parents. It does not mean that academics are not important. It does not mean that academics are not esteemed, but A's and B's are not the fruit of the spirit. It's not. I want you to understand that, that, that there are a lot of people, but being smart is not distinctive of, is not a, is not a, a spiritual virtue. There are a lot of smart people in the world. I want you to understand something. Washington is run by a lot of the most best educated people. You don't smell what I'm stepping in there? Listen, we know this. We know this, and we have to be careful that we're, we're, not, we're not just trying to baptize academics and do something. Let's give our kids something better, something, something far superior, far superior. So let's watch out for the God of sports and athletics. We've got to watch out for these things. And listen, all of this is what we want opportunity for our kids. But in that, you have to understand what are we driving them towards and what are, we, what are they seeing as the value? What's getting their time? What's getting the passion of mom and dad? What's getting that? Because that's what we'll pass down. That's what we'll pass down. Mom and dad, let's, let's watch out for that God of work. Man, if I, I'm just going to bust it now because then later on, you'll have this inheritance. When I'm gone, I'll have something for you. When I retire early, then we'll be able to. But you've already missed the most formative years. So we have to watch out for the idols of our day. And we have to keep our kids away from the idols of our days and give them 
a bigger vision for life, a more, a more compelling vision for life. Because what happens in a home is absolutely formative. We know that. Any, any secular psychologist will tell you that. The home, mom and dad, is, it, it, is, it, is, it is formative. It is so important. And the thing is that I'm not just talking about the things that we merely teach and say. Right? You've, you've, all, you've heard of the saying that some things are caught and not taught. We all know that that's true. We've heard that, that statement before. I want you to know that when Riley, my firstborn, was like 18 months, maybe, not even, it wasn't even two yet, it came like, boom, I had the lesson right in front of my face that, Bruce, she's watching you. She's watching you. Why don't you look at this picture up here? That's me still up there. <laughs> you see that? That's a sippy cup. It's a Doc McStuffin sippy cup. On the carpet. You know what's under that Doc McStuffin sippy cup? A coaster. Listen. We, we, we're trying to teach our kids some things. I can tell you this. There's no expectation in our home, and we're not training toddlers to use coasters for sippy cups. All right? But I want, you know, I walked into the room, and listen, I don't, I don't even, I walk in and I see a sippy cup on top of a coaster. She completely caught that on her own. I've never put a sippy cup on a coaster. Never. Her mom has never put a sippy cup on a coaster. It's never happened. But what does she see? My glass on top of a coaster, and it probably wasn't even consistent, but there was enough of a pattern that she, she associated that coaster with, I put my drink on top of that. Mom and dad, they are watching us. They are watching us. And I say that not, not to scare you. I say that to encourage you. I say that to encourage you because I think that the temptation a lot of times as, as parents is that we feel like we're not getting through. We feel like we're not being as influential as we'd like to be. We feel like there's other forces out there that, that are more powerful than us and the gospel. That's how we feel. We look online and we look at the problems that our kids bring up. We look at all these things and we can feel like, man, I am, I, I'm, I'm fighting a battle that I can't win. And I'm saying, no, you're not. You're the God-given instrument and agent in, to form the life of a child. You have, you have everything at your disposal to be successful. Because you have the God of the universe on your side. And because of the gospel that changes lives, we all have a chance. We all have a shot. So what, hey, kids are watching us. They're watching us. Let that not be something that just scares you or paralyzes you. Let that be something that motivates you to model and keep modeling these things. Look what it says in verse 5. It says, 
is that <clears throat> establish who God is and then love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. You cannot give away something that you do not have. The best thing our kid, you can give your, your kids is, a, is, is modeling that you love Jesus. You give me a mom and a dad who love Jesus, who are modeling that consistently in their home, that's going to be a good home. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. So parenting is modeling an authentic relationship with God, not just giving content about God. It's modeling what it means to walk with God, to talk with God, to live with God, to be changed by God, to depend on God. That's what you're modeling in front of your kids. If, if you're just trying to, listen, I'm, I'm all for formal education. We do that as well in our home. It should, it's a necessary part. But here what, what, what I want you to see is the importance of modeling this in front of our kids so that Jesus becomes more than just a subject. That the Bible is more than a book. That you, that you model that the word of God is living and active. That it's alive, that it can change. That mom and dad, you too are, are someone who is under authority. Like, that's what kids, kids are watching. That's what they're looking at. Now, one of the things that, that's, that we have to be careful as parents is that what we're passing down in a lot of ways is that we're shaping desires. We're telling kids, love this. Don't love this. Despise this. Run after this. You're shaping desires. You're trying, but here's the deal, is that you can't make a kid want something. You can't change desires. You can't give desires, but you can influence them by God's grace and his power. Have you ever noticed that it's not a strange thing that if you grow up, if your kids grow up and just like you, maybe your dad was a certain fan of a team, and then what happens? You became a fan of a team. Is it because your mom and your dad set you down and said, listen, let me, let's walk through the Ten Commandments of being a Florida Gator fan? <laughs> I'm a Kentucky fan, by the way. We had a pretty good night last night. But listen, I didn't have to sit my kids down and say, hey, guys, this is important to dad. You know what? All they had to do is open their ears and look at dad. And when I was acting a fool, screaming, pumping my fist, can't, I just couldn't wait to get to church so I could talk to my boss, Scotty Odom. <laughs> I couldn't wait. Listen, what I'm passing down to them is not that some sterile thing. What I'm passing down to them is a passion for something. Now, listen, I love some Kentucky sports. Don't get me wrong, but listen, it pales in a comparison to my love for God. And I want my kids to know the difference. 
to know the difference. Hey, we can get excited about things, but we don't give our lives to things. We can, we can have fun with things, but we don't worship things. We worship the God who gives us the things. God is worthy. God is worthy. So what does he say here in verse 7? He says, now that you have a love for God, now that your relationship with, is, with God is real, now that your relationship is authentic, now that you actually can model a love for God, now, now it's your job to impress that onto your children, to teach that diligently to your children. See, when, when Christianity is a subject and it's just a matter of passing down principles and law, and we practically aren't doing certain things, what ends up happening is you, me, we can come across as hypocrites. And our kids, after a while, they begin to see that, okay, you're, we're saying all of this stuff, but all of this doesn't match up. It doesn't match up. And they don't turn teenagers and see the inconsistency. They see it as little kids. They see it really clearly. So once you have that passionate love for God, now impress that upon your kids. And how do you do that? It's not a classroom style. He says, talk about them when you sit at your home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. See, parenting is done in the everyday moments of life because that's how life is lived. So when Jesus was walking the earth, listen, like his, the day was the classroom. His interactions with everybody was the classroom. As you're walking along, going through your day, as you wake up, as you get up in the morning, as you, as you go to bed at night, listen, those are all the opportunities for you to pass down the faith, for you to model the faith. It's in the everyday moments that that happens. Talk about them. Consistent communication. Look, I know sometimes it's, a, it's, a, it's okay, like moms talk a lot to our kids. Sometimes it's okay and it's, and it's seen as, as um, that dads can get a pass and maybe we don't talk a whole lot. Listen, parents, dads in the room, we have to be in constant and consistent communication with our kids. You, listen, this is God's word. He speaks. It, it's it's going to be very difficult and impossible to impart and pass down the faith when you don't open your mouth to your kids about it. We have to talk about it. And you know what? You talk about the things you love. You talk about the things you love. If you want to find out what someone loves, what are they talking about? And if you can go 24-hour cycle, a week, without the reality of who God is in your life spilling over into, like, we have to start questioning, like, what has my desires? What has my love? What am I actually modeling and passing down to my kids? Is it that we talk about this on Sundays? But then throughout the week, 
crickets. But see, that pattern is being passed down. And look, when that pattern's passed down, it's easy, it's easy to, to, to blame or to give too much credit to the Darwinian evolution-believing professor that dismantles your kid's faith their freshman year in school. Look, their faith was dismantled all those years before. I think we give too much credit to what's happening, you know, at our universities. Let's make sure we're passing down a faith, a real faith, a real God, a personal God. And do this in your everyday things. Look, the great thing about this, look what it says. It says, when you sit at home, on the road, when you lie down and when you get up, the unique advantage that a parent has is that you get the bookend of your kid's day. You get the bookends. You get the beginning of the day and the end of the day. And that's what I love about parenting. That's what I love is that you get to, you get to shape how they view their day. And then at the end of the day, you get to shape how they process their day. You get that opportunity. Why? Because they live with you. They live in your home. It's, a, it's the privilege. It's a privilege that a parent has. Book in your days. Use those opportunities. Use the interruptions. The interruptions are not... Uh, are not you know, keeping you from parenting, the interruptions are, are very well the reasons why you're parenting. When you think about Jesus' life, I want you to take away his ministry, take away all the interruptions in his ministry. And what you'll find is that, man, there ain't a whole lot of ministry going on because he's using the everyday stuff. Every, you know, Sadducees, Pharisees, always trying to trap him, conversations, people running up to him. His ministry were the, was the interruptions. And in so many ways with our kids, the stuff that's going on that you're kind of like, ah, oh, this is distracting me from something, so this is interrupting you, is the very opportunity that you have as a parent. It's setting the stage for your parenting. It's giving you the, the, the situation, the circumstances in which to parent through. So, so think. Think on it. Impress them on your kids. Teach them these things. And it's an everyday thing through everyday moments. That's the beauty of it. So, and it says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Um, you know, Jews took this, like, literally, you know, and, and there may be some value in that. But when he talks about writing them on the door frames of your house and your gates, I, I, do, I do think that there is value in external or physical reminders of your faith in your home. That you have set your home up in such a way that there are rem- physical or external reminders of who God is, the values of your home, how you're running, what you're doing. That is not just decor for decor's sake, but it's decor to help cultivate and to accentuate what you want to pass on to your kids. 
That's one of the things that for us and our family, it's, it kind of stinks with, uh, with, with renting because when you're renting, you don't want to like go all out on your house and start nailing stuff to the walls and doing things. And, and uh, that's one of the things that I miss, just really like putting up before us, hey, these are the things that we're about. Those reminders that your kids can see that complement what you're trying to pass down to your kids. So in with these things, parents, so take the long view. Take the long view with your parenting. Remember that you're not just parenting your kid that's in your house. I want to jump up here to verse 2 here of, um, of Deuteronomy 6. And it says that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. Your son's sons. You're not just parenting your kids. You're parenting your kids' kids. You're parenting your children's children's children. That's legacy. That's legacy. So when you parent, don't don't just be so focused on the years that you have with your kids in the here and now. Be focused on the generations. The ones that will be coming coming behind your kids. What kind of husband will your son be? What kind of wife will your daughter be? That's that's the goal. Because they will in turn perpetuate what you have passed down by God's grace. And that's all we're, hey, everyone in this room is banking on that. There's no formula here. This This is the path of faithfulness. Right? And God is, God is gracious in this way, but it doesn't mean that I do X, Y, and Z, and then I'm going to get this product. Every parent in here can, can testify to the struggle. And some of you all here, you're, you're, you, you, did, you did this. You're like, Bruce, I did this. I was faithful. I passed this on. I, I modeled this. I loved the Lord before him. And, man, they've gone astray. They've gone astray. You continue to model it. Continue to pray. Continue to do all the things that you did when you had them. Parent with the generations in view. Parent with eternity in view. And I just want to give some practical things, and I'll close out here, guys. Is this? Is that one? Leverage your meals. Leverage your meals. Eat dinner together. Everyone has to eat. Everyone has to eat. Okay. If you, if you're just like, Bruce, man, the way our schedule is, we don't, golly, we don't have enough time to, to get at, around the dinner table. We usually grab something. If you go grab something through the drive-thru, grab it through the drive-thru and go home and sit at a table. Or sit in a restaurant at a table. I don't, but get in a place where the family is together and you can actually communicate over a meal. Everyone has to eat. All right? Use grace as an opportunity to, to teach about prayer. Instruct. Use these common day, common things, common moments. We're eating a meal. We thank the Lord for this meal. Use those moments to teach your kids. Car rides. 
Car ride. Listen, car rides are my favorite. I, I remember telling Andrea, I could not wait for my kids to start talking. I, man, I had the dream, and I get to leave the dream where I'm having these conversations, I'm looking at rearview mirror, and we're just chopping it up talking. I love that. I love that. Hey, I want to encourage you, redeem the car ride. I know sometimes it's, it's, it's really, um, it's easy to use a car ride to catch up on a conversation on the phone. So your kids are passengers, and maybe you got a little TV in your car or something, or maybe they have a tablet, and they're doing something in the back seat while you're doing something in the front seat. I want to encourage you to you a car time is talk time. Car time is conversation time. So redeem that time. Use it to, um, to talk, to listen to good music, to sing. We get wild. I'm telling you, I love, I love car rides. We get wild in our car. So sing together and model those things. Right. Ultimately, my kids aren't learning how to worship and sing from Jonathan and Jason. They're going to learn it from me and my wife. I just don't raise my hands in here on Sunday. I'll raise it in a 2001 Camry as well. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it don't matter. Every day, every day, model those things before your kids. Movies, shows, look, don't let, all right, this is, don't let those moments where you're watching a movie and leave it up to them to process through it by themselves. Even though it's a movie they've seen a hundred million times, don't let the movie just go and then you think that they took from that movie what they thought, what you think they should have taken from it or, or like talk about the movie. Give them the grid in which they should see the movie. Give them the grid in which they should watch characters in a show. Give them the grid to look through. That's how you pass on a worldview, how they see those things. Alfred, I mean, I could, I could tell stories, but, man, I loved it. Like, I had, a, we had a conversation with Riley and Roman. They were bickering one day, getting at each other. We kind of had a conversation, teased that out, and, and they learned a word that day, and it was jealousy. They were being jealous of one another. They couldn't, they couldn't let, they, they didn't like for someone else to, to win. <laughs> and you know what? Next day, they're watching a show, and guess what? It's going on in front of them. And they're like, James is jealous. They can see it now. They watched a cartoon that they've seen many times, but now they can see sin <laughs> as they should see it. They see it differently, and it was a conversation. So process, process these things in with your kids. I don't know if y'all know this enough, but there's enough that you watch enough Disney movies, there's enough going on in there. And listen, Disney's not afraid to kill anybody. I mean, I don't know how many movies I'm watching Disney, and somebody's dying. So there's a lot of opportunities to talk through some stuff there. And sports, all these kinds of things. Redeem the time. If your kids are doing it, help them process it through it, through a biblical lens. All right? And I'll, I'll close here. Um, when I do premarital counseling and I, I talk to people who, who are about to get married, and um, 
always make a point to, for them to see that there's, there's a great opportunity happening right now. Because there's a man and a woman coming together and a new family is going to be birthed from this. And no matter what she came from and no matter what he came from, there's opportunity. Family is opportunity. You came from families and you're attached to a family tree, but this is a new branch. There's a new branch, therefore there are new possibilities. There are new possibilities. So I want to encourage you that you may think today, you know what, I'm not, I don't know. I, maybe we haven't done any of this. I wasn't taught this. I didn't do these things. I want to encourage you, hey, one way that you, you pass on the face, that you relay the faith to your, to, your, to your kids is that you show them that you listen to sermons. <laughs> You know what? I heard this sermon this morning. We're going to do something about it. We're going to do something about it. And today, today, you can change. Maybe today, you changed your trajectory of your family because you, for the first time, you allow God to change the complete trajectory of your life. That you first need to learn how to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That you need to wholly commit yourself to him first before you can impress anything or pass anything on to your kids. And share that with your kids. Share that with them. Today, you can change the whole trajectory of your family for the generations, and for all of eternity. You are discipling the parents of your kids and the kids that are not yet born. And that's the privilege of parenting. And that is a legacy by God's grace and his power that we can pass on to our kids. The worthiness of God.